This. What? I was, I was like, oh, I thought we were getting ready to start like beatboxing. You had a, I am never doing that shit. You had a beat happening. I was getting ready to like bust in with like. No. This is the bit of sweet and twisted. No, no. <laughs> we'll not be doing that kind of foolishness. <laughs> hmm. Okay. You know why? Why? Because this is the Bittersweet and Twisted Records podcast with Vince and Bobby. I am Vince. And I'm Bobby. And we are back with episode seven. seven. Lucky number seven. I was getting ready to say the same thing. Because you're a mind reader. I am. You knew it. I was that I say copycat or mind reader. I was... I, but I hadn't said it yet, so you couldn't be a copycat if I hadn't said it, unless you were a mind reader. That's true. All right, so we're going to continue on with what we were saying in episode 666. Six. Six. Yes. That not every episode is going to be a, a tw- Treasures from the Bargain Bin. Correct. We're, Sometimes we're we'll just talk about out. records that we like. I mean, not saying we're not going to do Treasures from the Bargain Bin true. again. We're just going to try to do involve more and open up our uh, listening base and um, resource base to different varieties. And sometimes it might just be our some albums that we just really love. Such yes. as? Such as an album that, coincidentally, I got out of the bargain bin for a dollar. Nice. And I had been after an original pressing of this album for a while. I mean, there... There's been a couple of reissues, including uh-huh. one about a month and a half ago. Oh. But I finally have a first pressing. Yay! We it love is, first pressings. As beat up as it is. It is. With its it, little hole in it. With its little promo hole yeah. punch in the corner. And all the edges are all worn. And the inner sleeves are worn. And it's got multiple marks on it. It plays fairly well. It's loved, but you're loved... Love, you're loving that you have I it. I did my little high pitch. He did. When I saw it in the... Oh, I wasn't saw, with you. Yes, you were. Was I with you on this one? Oh, my God. You don't remember a thing about this record? And the record you're doing, you remember that incorrectly? I don't... I just I mean, you just did a you little were, squeal the other day, too. So I was... Okay, well, don't I find the other day? Probably... I think you're making up. I didn't squeal the other day. That CD. You found a CD. Yes, what? you what? did. What? It was... Uh, uh. Oh, no. Stop. It was... Uh, what? Ooh, what? This, come on. The singer. Shoot, what was one? You found it when we were up in Jersey, Wednesday, on your birthday. <sighs> Hold on. You know which one I'm talking no, about. No, I don't know which one you're talking about. Well, that was from today. He's got a look in his collection. Oh, it was when the singer was still known as... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, and you did your little squeal. Sound. I didn't make the sound. You went... <gasps> I went... Bobby, 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 yes. Bobby. So it wasn't his squeal, Bobby. but it was a... <gasps> and I heard it from down the aisle. Yeah, so, it, wasn't, it, it, wasn't my, it wasn't my squeal that I made when I found this no, signed Fates warning record. That's true, but you were really excited for this. This, so. no, the one that I... The CD I found in the $2 CD section was the self-titled album from Freaks, F-R-E-A-X. Yes. From, what year was this? 90s. I feel like it was 99. I don't see a year. But <clears throat> it's a it's an official CDR. Yeah. And it is of note because it is a project that 
Keith Caputo yes. sang on. And if you know who that is, you will know that Keith Caputo is Mina Caputo. Yes. Of Life of Agony. Yes, Life of Agony. And this is not an easy album to find. Yes. And I love it when we go in record stores and we find super rare stuff like this. Yes. In great shape. I mean, the case was broken. I replaced the case. And so that's a Easy crack replace, in the front. but that's all right. But it was yeah. still everything else. I mean, the CDs look great. The CDs great. in great shape. Yeah. And it's I haven't listened to it yet, but supposedly it's like an industrial thing yeah. that yeah. Caputo had um, done. So, yeah, I was pretty happy to find that. But thanks for the um, complete <coughs> complete sidetrack on yes, that one. Yes, sidetrack. But no, I can't believe you can't remember where we found this one. I, I can't. I, I have a horrible, I horrible fa- memory. I found the In Excess 12-inch for you this day, too. Oh, was this in Frederick? No, this was in PA. Oh. I'm not going to give the name of the place because I don't want to yeah. give away one of my honey, our honey spots. Yeah, we're not giving that away. But, um, yeah, I'm not saying Frederick because we don't live in Frederick. Right. But no, um, you got an excess record today and that day, and you got something else too. Uh, you have such a great memory for those things. But, I yeah, I because you were looking up top, and I always go the cheap shit. Yeah. And this was in like the first bin in the very back, and I was like, oh, yeah, because I've been after a first print of this. I don't give a shit that it's all beat up, and I don't give a shit that it doesn't play perfect. I don't think you said who it is. I know, I'm, I'm building oh, up to okay. it. Oh, okay, you're building up. I'm okay. building up to okay. it. Uh, actually, I was building up to it until you interrupted I'm with sorry. the um, Mina Caputo CD. Sorry. But anyway, we love Life of Agony. True. Life of Agony is awesome. We had tickets for Life of Agony. Yeah, we But did. COVID fucked that up. Damn COVID. Because we had tickets and then it got pushed back and then canceled. Yeah, and canceled. And I've seen Life of Agony back when Mina was still Keith. That's very cool. And it was, they were incredible. Yeah, I, I really I really want to see that. And I'm probably the only Life of Agony fan going to say this, but Broken Valley is my favorite Life of Agony record. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Love it. Anyway, so back to this record. Yes, back to it. Now this, like I was saying, this serves two purposes. It is a treasure from the bargain bin. It does. And it's a record that I love a lot. Yes. And it's a record I'm, I think a lot of people have forgotten about, mm-hmm. even though it sold a shitload of albums. Okay. And that album is... Queensryche's 1990 release, Empire. Nice. I love this goddamn record. I know, and um, you love the band. I love the band as well. And so I'm- I remember getting this cassette the week it came out. I've had it on CD a couple times. I have the 2003 reissue of a couple bonus tracks. There's a new box set that came out this summer. It's got like the, oh, yeah. the album. It's got... um. It's got like a disc of B sides, got a couple live CDs, and it has a DVD. Oh. And they they, they did a, a re-release of um, Operation Mindcrime the same day, same type of release. Mm-hmm. And they saying that the Operation Mindcrime release is the definitive release. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Bullshit. And I say it's not because it does not include the single edit of Eyes of a Stranger on it. There you go. No Queen's Best of uses the single edit. They mm-hmm. always use the full album version. And I've got the single edit on the 12-inch promo single, mm-hmm. and I have the UK CD single, which has a slightly different radio uh, single edit. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have the seal of Vince Corkadel, it doesn't have a seal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I just, it, it, it just drives me up a fucking wall that none of the Queensryche Best Love albums, because there's like five or six of them, use the single edit, Advisor Stranger, and the box set doesn't use the single edit. What the fuck? 
So, question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm starting to rant. You are starting to rant. But I do have Vince a takes a sidetrack. Yeah, he does. But I do have a question because some of our listeners might not be vinyl collectors um, like us or, yeah. um, or that into collecting older vinyl. Maybe they're just like the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. You said this is a promotional copy. Yep. And it has the promotional hole. Yep. Now, why did they put... They the would, holes where the promotion, like usually it would they, be where a promotional sticker. A lot of time, or a, yeah, they usually labeling. There's always different ways they mark promos. Either they're like a gold stamp right. that says for promotion only, or they'll usually the hole punch will be over the UPC. Yeah. So that you know record stores oh, won't, 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 to, won't resell it for a price. It. Okay, gotcha. But the UPC on this one is dead center on yeah. the back, so you can't hole punch it. Okay. Easily because they'd have yep. to. Pull the records out of the sleeve. Well, they would have to do that oh, anyway. No, it doesn't touch the oh, record. It's in, it doesn't it's touch in the corner. The it's in the oh, corner. So they did that as to market that it was a promotional copy. Yeah. And so okay. it's it's really beat up. But like I said, for a dollar. So now what's so... Spe- I mean, other than being special that it's the promotional, and so therefore I mean, it was, it, it I mean, was before the even actual first pressing. Well, well it, was around the, it was the same time. Okay. A lot of times people will like promos. Yes. Because they... Since a lot of times the promos are available before, maybe before the um, retail versions. Right. Well, in this case, a lot of times shit like this, it's the same time they just took a retail one okay. and hole punched it. But they're closer to the original master. Okay. So you get a first pressing, it's closer to the original right, master. Right. You get like a fifth press, pressing, it might not, it's further down from the original yeah. master. Yeah. So it might not be as good sound. It could be the same good, good sound quality, but right. it might not be. And that's where I think you have um, just. As, as vinyl lovers in general. Um, I got a little, I felt, whew, I'm out of breath now. I got, I, got a little, I, got a little, I got a little excited about Queensryche. You did. But what the difference with some of the vinyl collectors, some vinyl collectors um, aren't fans of like newer releases of old stuff, and some are fans, but. And the, a previous owner of this was a lady. Mm-hmm. And I can tell because of the handwriting on the back where they circled uh, silent lucidity and wrote skip slightly, slightly an exclamation point. Oh, uh, silent lucidity. And uh, that is a, that's a, lady handwriting. Such a good song. And you know what's funny? It doesn't skip. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't skip. Some other shit on here skips. Maybe it was her record player at the yeah. time. But Such I, a great song. But I, it has this red piece of tape on the spine. Yeah. I'm just, I'm... I really feel like the person I had this was like a DJ or something. That's right, because a lot of times they mark on when they have yeah. them on file, and they have to go look for their album that they're going to play. So it, it it's beat up, but I love it. Love this album. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, well tell us love it. why. Okay. You love this so much, and a little bit more about this because did I mention that I love it? You did, and I like the album as well. But please tell us why. I remember. I remember. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a little sidetrack. All right. Tell me a little story. Vince is getting sidetracked. Back in days. You know what's I'm doing the the thing. Yeah, you're. Doing I'm doing the thing from now. Eastbound and Down when um Kenny Powers was on the um sports talk show. Oh and, yeah, and he would do that part where he was <clears throat> he interrupted. What they're saying, yeah, he'd be like, "Kenny's cutting in," and he would do the scissors, scissors. of his fingers. Yes. So Vince is sidetracking, yes. but I still do the finger because even the finger scissors scissors doesn't mean anything of sidetracking. No, not at all. We need to figure you're just side. Cutting in. Mm, but, to... but it's just us, so I guess you're not cutting in. Yeah, I know. Okay. Anywho's the food. Anywho. Okay, so Queensrÿch Empire. Yes. Released in the United States on EMI mm-hmm. USA Records on August 20th, 1990. Okay. And as I said, 
a little bit ago in my yeah, rambling? It's been reissued. I, have I bored you already? No, I'm sorry. It's, okay. it's just been reissued. It was reissued in 20, 2003, uh-huh. 2010, and wow. 2021. Okay. Now, Queens formed in Bellevue, Washington, 19, Bell, Bellevue, Bellevue. Washington mm-hmm. 1981. They had a, um, early on, they had a um, European metal sound. They were mm-hmm. inspired by Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. Yes. But you had uh, Jeff Tate on vocals, who was very unique at the time. He's still very distinctive still very, vocalist. Yes, absolutely. And Queens, as a result, Jeff has inspired quite a few progressive metal and power metal band singers oh, yes. over the years. Absolutely. And they were also they were very creative in the early stuff. Mm-hmm. And one, I remember reading the interview with guitarist Chris DeGarmo once. He said that um, Northwest um, U.S. had really good weed at the time. <laughs> So, and what did that have to do with anything? They were talking about the lyrics and oh, stuff. Oh, oh, so the they better were they the were weed, stoned. Oh, the better the weed, the better their lyrics were. The more weird. Oh, fun. Okay, were. okay, interesting. So the classic lineup of Queensrÿche was uh-huh. guitarist Chris DeGarmo, yeah, vocalist Jeff Tate, yes, guitarist Michael Wilton, okay, bassist Eddie Jackson, and drummer Scott Rockenfield. Nice. And in 1983, they released their self-titled <clears throat> EP and later the same year the band signed of EMI Records and they re-released the EP because first it was on an indie label that their managers had formed yes just with the purpose of releasing that mm-hmm. and then 1984 Queensryche released their first full-length album The Warning which I think that's the album that DeGarmo was referring to when he said they had really good weed oh okay and it charted number 61 in the U.S. And they toured of Kiss and Iron Maiden to support it. Hmm. I could see that lineup, and I, that would have been an amazing concert to see. Yeah. And in '86, Queensrÿche released their second full-length album, Rage for Order, uh-huh. and they toured of Ronnie James Dio. Oh, another another fantastic yeah. lineup. And the result is that um, in '86, Dio also put together the Hearing Aid Project, uh-huh. which was a uh, fundraiser. Uh-huh. I think it was for homeless children, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. And so we had all these like 80s metal people on uh-huh. it together, guitarists and singers. And Jeff was asked to partake in it, and he's one of the featured vocalists on oh, it. Oh, nice. And they released a cover of the Canadian singer Lisa Dalbello's Going to Get Close to You. And we, we were in a store the other day, and they had that Dalbello record you showed me. Oh, okay. It was a yes. promo, but it was so, the cover was so, so beat the shit. Yeah. I didn't want to get it. If it had been better shape, I would have gotten it because she's incredible. Yeah. Um, I think she still makes music too, so she's really cool. And in 1988, Queensrÿche released the Operation Mindcrime album, okay. which was a concept album about junkies, brainwashing, and political assassinations. Hmm. And Jeff's lyrics took on a more anti-establishment tone, mm-hmm. and the music was more raw and less European power metal, like the um, previous releases. Okay, and. Sales were unfortunately slow at first. Okay. And the album wasn't even doing as well as Rachel Order had done, which wasn't that great. Right. So they went out on their management, put them out on tour with Def Leppard. They came home. Album sales hadn't increased. They went out for nine months across Europe and America with Metallica. Came home. No album sales. And the record label was like, look, this album's dead. You made this concept record. No one's buying it. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to put you back in the studio. Uh-oh. And they were bummed because they put so much effort in this record. Yeah. And so an executive at um, programming at MTV 
contact our management and said, I love this record. Why didn't you guys make a video? If you made a video, I would play it. Yeah. So the band, the label, and the manager were like, oh shit, we gotta make a video for something. Well, so this they, is the time when everybody was making videos. Yeah, so and it's that's weird. What got it's you weird out that there. like a year afterward they hadn't ma- hadn't made a video for yeah. it. It's weird. So they made a video for the song I mentioned earlier and ranted about, "Eyes of a Stranger." Mm-hmm. And true to their word, MTV played it. Yeah, they played the shit out of it. So did they play it not only on their Midnight Metal on Headbangers Ball, the Headbangers play, Ball, and then it got played on um people called it, it was on Dial MTV. Okay. And as a result, oh, when MTV actually had music, yeah. and as a result, Operation Mindcrime sold 500,000 copies in two weeks. Wow! After a year of not selling dick, yeah, in two weeks, that little bit of exposure is all you needed. Yeah, hold on, I gotta get a drink for some mouths. I'm totally animated this episode. Oh, people know. are gonna think I'm on speed or something. It's that's just Jeff Tate. That's just Jeff Tate. <laughs> it's funny on my phone. Yeah, whenever I'm texting about. Jeff Tate. It, it comes. It, it autocorrects to Taint. Yeah, because I've I've called him Jeff Taint for years. It sounds like a, a slam, but I just I love Jeff Tate. Yes, I know you do. Okay, I've um drank something. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Oh, so, wow. That was a weak burp. Wow. So we should re-edit it and add, drop and it just in. add like a add really, in a really good burp, <laughs> like an earth shattering. Yeah, like burp. I did er, like I did earlier. <laughs> So, with the half a million copies of Operation Ryan Crime sold, yeah, the stage was set for the band to enter the mainstream. Absolutely. And in 1990, mm-hmm. Empire was released. Yep. Empire charted at number seven on the U.S. Billboard album charts, number 13 in Canada. I'm sorry, I fucked up. Number 13 in the U.K. Okay. And it was top 20 in Canada, Japan, and Norway. Wow. And has sold over 3 million copies in the U.S. What was it here? Number seven. Number seven, okay. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember this just like hitting all the time on MTV being played and, and they, you'd hear it everywhere. They released six singles wow. from the album. Well, I know one. Yeah, we know one. So the first single was the title track Empire. Mm-hmm. Which on the U.S. mainstream rock charts went to number twenty-two. Then the second single was "Best I Can," which hit the U.S. mainstream rock chart at twenty-eight, and the U.K. singles chart at thirty-six. "Jet City Woman" hit yep. the U.S. mainstream rock chart at number six. U.K. singles chart at thirty-nine. I love that song. And I don't have chart numbers for anybody listening or just just another rainy night. But I do have numbers for their biggest hit, the song they're all known for, Silent, What's that? Silent Lucidity. I don't think I've ever heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I love that song. So, <laughs> so Silent Lucidity mm-hmm. went on the U.S. mainstream rock chart to number one. Yeah. It's oh, so good. The U.S. Billboard Hot 100 to number nine. Mm-hmm. Canada RPM chart, number seven. And the U.K. singles chart, it charted twice. Wow. First time, number 34. They got re-released and charted at 18. Hmm. Now I do say, uh, I remember this song, and I remember they played the shit out of it yeah. on uh, the radio. I think it was 98 Rock at the time yeah. or, or something like that. And they played it so much that I actually 
began not to like it, and so yeah, I, I got I got tired of it. Yeah, too, I for refused a lot of to years. listen to it. Anytime it came out, I'd skip it. But now, since I don't hear it very often, when I do hear it, I'm like, oh god, that is just such <laughs> yeah. a good song. Well, it was also nominated for two Grammy Awards in 1992. Yeah, for best rock song and best rock vocal performance by a oh. duo or group. That and voice, it, and yeah. it didn't win. Oh, you know, it's funny you say that voice because I, I was telling you earlier today my new obsession. Yeah. On YouTube. Oh yes, yes. Is watching female vocal coaches. Yes. Watch and comment on old videos of Jeff Tate singing. Yes, and then it and how is we're, yes fucking hilarious because those ladies these ladies are dripping oh we gotta change their undies yeah you could just the, the looks on their faces and they keep pausing the the top oh about the voice it's like mm-hmm and you just listen to them the look on their faces oh and the sounds they make the, they make that sound oh oh yeah it's it, just go on there put in like Queensryche or Jeff Tate and then, like, vocal coach. Yeah. Oh, man, this shit's fucking hilarious. I can't stop watching them. Oh, I have to. But, you know, these... I, these I'm not going to say anything else. Just go watch them. Go they're, watch they're, them. They're okay. hilarious. All right, I'll have to watch one. Um, So, Empire was a lot more polished and accessible than any of the previous albums. But they didn't back away from difficult topics. Um, like, Best I Can covered Gun Violence. The Thin Line was about S&M and bondage. Well then. Della Brown was about homelessness. Okay. And M- the title track Empire was about the drug trade and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And they had love songs. They did. Love songs like Jet City Woman. Yeah. Another Rainy Night Without You. And Hand on Heart. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yes. Whereas Jeff Tate had guided the um, vision of the Operation Mindcrime album, Mm -hmm. Empire was largely the vision of guitarist Chris DeGarmo. Mm. And he, you know, co-wrote everything or or wrote, flat out wrote everything by himself on Empire. And the Building Empires tour lasted two years and saw the band performing the Operation Mindcrime album in its entirety, plus a couple older tracks and all the hits from Empire. And the um, support acts on the North American dates were Suicidal Tendencies and Warrior Soul. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. That would have been fun. Oh, God, oh, That yeah. would have been a fun show. Well, on the um, next tour they did, yeah. Typo were the openers. <sighs> yeah. I had to go back. I, I couldn't remember what Jeff Tate looked like in the 90s. Yeah. And I had to go back and look at him because I just couldn't. Well, that's oh. 2000. Yeah. Well, That's him his first solo I, record. I, I mean, so I re- totally... Yeah, you're re- used to him now well, with yeah, the shaved right, head. Well, yeah, right, with the shaved and... head. But I, I do remember, when I, as I'm looking now, like, I definitely remember him now in, in the 90s. Yeah. And I remember thinking he was quite, quite... Fetching? Fetching, yes. So, the band wouldn't release another album until 1994. As they spent a few years dealing with burnout and the effects of their newly increased... Fame and fortune. Yeah, well, yeah, and plus being on tour for yeah. two and a half years. And so the resulting album, Promised Land, debuted at number three in the U.S. and eventually sold a million copies, which was you know, a third of what the other one had sold. So right. record label wasn't happy. But this album... Very since, Adam Ancy there. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting distracted by pictures of so, Jeff Tate. So, um, <laughs> so as I said earlier, that Jeff and um, Chris would flip who had the vision and led mm-hmm. each album so promised land it was jeff's turn again 
And so he guided this album and it dealt more of his disillusionment with fame and fortune. Mm. And the lyrics are a bit darker than they had been previously. And the follow-up album, The Empire, came out in 97. That was Here in the Now Frontier. And after that tour, guitarist Chris DeGarmo left. Mm -hmm. And Queensryche carried on with various replacement members until Jeff Tate was forced out in 2012. And that resulted in two years of courtroom fighting with the Uh. other members of Queensryche. That's so. Why was he? I don't understand. Why was he? his? Um, by this time, yeah. You because know, I feel like Jeff, Jeff Tate is the band. Well, by the you know after Degarmo left, uh, Tate has said that the band because it been him and Degarmo were the right. leaders. Right. He said so the band needed a leader, yeah. so he came the de facto leader. Okay. And as the albums went on, and they had different replacements for Degarmo, yeah. um, that he started according to the other members, discounting their ideas. Oh. And he was bringing in ghost players to play okay. on the albums. Yes. And, and not listen. And then he did some really odd choices. Like he brought in his wife, his manager, one of his daughters handled the fan club and merch. And they did this one tour. I feel what year it was. It was called Queens at Cabaret where they had like background dancers. That sounds and, weird. And Jeff performed like in a robe and underwear. Interesting. So I can't imagine why the other members of the band started to hate him. Yeah. But it was just, <laughs> I remember talking about, well, that's odd. And I saw a picture again recently. I'm like, that's really fucking odd. Yeah. I can't imagine going along with that. I mean, I get it. I get why the other guys kind of wanted him out. Yeah. And the album that they did, the last time they did with him was called Dedicated to Chaos. And most of it's just a pop record. Okay, and uh, what name is it under? Is it it's a, a Queensryche okay, album. So it's the final. Made, it's the final have... one they did with him, and I think there's some good stuff on it. But it it, it sounds like a Jeff Tate solo record. Okay. okay. And so they um had a big blow up before a show in Brazil. And I think they did one more show after that. And then he was out. Mm-hmm. Then those lawsuits over the name. They had their new singer went out. Queensryche. He went out as Queensryche starring Jeff Tate. And, you know, finally, after two years, they had to buy him out of all the Queensryche companies. Mm-hmm. So he has continued on as a solo artist. And then he got a, started a new project with a revolving lineup of musicians under the name Operation Mindcrime. Mm-hmm. And they put out three albums. And they're a mixed bag. There's some really great stuff on them. And there's some really bland stuff. And I think the mix on the second album is terrible. But that's just me being nerdy. <laughs> but um, it's part of your charm, dear. Yeah, Tate and his solo band um, embarked on the Empire 30th Anniversary Tour, which was cut short by the COVID nineteen pandemic. And I saw him in Philly, I guess, two weeks before everything shut down, mm-hmm. and it was great. His solo band sounded great. They did they did an opening set of the Rage for Order album in its entirety, and then did. A break and then the Empire album in its entirety, plus the um, song Last Time in Paris, which was in the Andrew Dice Clay movie Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Mm-hmm. That was part of the encore and Eyes of a Stranger. And when was that one? That was right before, was it? That right was before February. We... That was, no, it was right after we started dating. dating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, I knew you sent me a video of it, and I couldn't remember yeah, if it was a video that you saw yeah, before we started we, dating. No, I had tickets. I had the tickets before we started dating. Yeah. And 
I think we just we literally just yeah. started dating. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that tour is cut short, but he resumed it this year to finish yeah. off the dates. And Queensryche, what's left of that band? Yeah. They um, they Scott Rockefeller had left, mm-hmm. so you just had two original members yeah. left. And they spent 2020 and 2021 doing scattered shows here and there and writing new material. And then just this month in October, drummer Scott Rockenfield sued the other two remaining original members, Michael Wilton and Eddie Jackson, and their associated companies for breach of contract, shareholder oppression, wrongful discharge, because he says they fired him, Hmm. because he took time off to be his wife. She was having a difficult pregnancy. So he didn't tour with the band, but he still says he had um, input in the business dealings, but then they fired him. Breach of artist agreement and violations of Washington Personality Rights Act. Whatever that is. I have no idea. But also came out during all this is that the original five members of Queensryche had been in early talks for a reunion. Oh, nice. But this lawsuit has probably completely fucked that. Yeah. Even Chris DeGarmo was thinking about it. Wow. Chris had left, after he left in 97, he became a pilot, professional pilot. Okay. And he also did a side project called... Imagine uh, getting on his plane. I know. He did um, a side project called Spies for Darwin, uh-huh. which was him, uh, Vinny, from the singer from the band Sponge, uh-huh. and the drummer and bassist from um, Alice in Chains. Huh. They recorded a whole bunch of stuff, but they only released an EP, which I think it's, on, I think it's streaming, the EP. And then he played with um, Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains, played yeah. in his solo band. Uh-huh. And he's done some stuff with his daughter. They released like an EP. Hmm. But, and he was, he played with, um, was it Chris Cornell's daughter at the Chris Cornell tribute? I think it was her he played with. Oh. It was like earlier this year or last year. Yeah. So. Last year. And then in 2003, he was tentative going to rejoin Queensryche. Yeah. He played on some of their Tribe album, and they did a photo shoot with him. But he did, like I think, like three or four songs in the album. And then he was like, nah, I can't do this. Huh. So they photoshopped him out of the picture. Because I've seen the picture they used in the album. Yeah. I've seen the original where he's in the picture. Oh, funny. And the picture on the album, he's not in it. So it would be quite a feat I feel like to get him to rejoin. Yeah. But if he was about going to do it, and this drummer fucked it all up. Yeah. That's messed up. That would have been messed I mean, up. I mean, I think if to get him to rejoin, they wouldn't be touring as much as they do. Mm-hmm. I think he'd probably just be like festivals, big shows. Right, yeah. Now and then, instead of just getting up. I guess at his age, I don't think he wants to haul ass, like in a, you know, U-Haul or whatever, across country or a bus and like a trailer, you know. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like, you know, like Queen's right. Um, I, I think is a very well-known band. I don't think that there's many people that probably don't know who that the band is. So yeah. Just, but um, I feel like the larger or the more famous you get, the more legal issues you have. Yeah, because as you bring you know? money into it. Right. But There's so many things. It's, and... it's a shame to see how it's like ended up, but... Yeah. But it's still a great record. Mm-hmm. Still love it. it. Yeah, it is a great record. Very much so. And especially and, when you get it for a dollar. And especially when you get a promotional used yeah. treasure in the bargain bin. Yeah, even if it does skip a little bit. That's right. It's very warm. But 
But that's all right. Yeah, it's loved. It's loved. And I can always get out the CD if I want to hear it play perfectly. There you go. Yeah. I rather have, I mean, I know, like I said earlier, there's that divide between um, yeah. vinyl collectors. But I rather have the original a little more beat up um, than a pristine re-release yeah. issued. Because like we have discussed before, I don't think we've discussed on the show, but we've discussed how sometimes with the newer reissues, you don't know if they're getting a actual sound from a digital copy yeah or is yeah because are, are they mastered from a digital right. file it's right. like well you're going from digital down to analog right so then you know you're not getting what it's supposed to sound like so yeah. of course i mean you know, everybody what, will argue and then what's your digital source right is it high quality or are you complete so. is the label being complete cheap shits and using yeah. mp3s you don't know you don't know and i my personal opinion is i like the older i like it i like that sound from the first pressings yeah i'm, I'm pretty good with the cd though yeah well like you said you know have the first yeah. pressing but if it skips you can go listen yeah. to it on the uh, cd or you can be a complete ass and i can just go listen on spotify yeah that's true or you can listen to our spotify playlist which will be going along with this episode yeah and we'll feature my music, I don't know if any of Bobby's music will be on there. Probably not. But you know but what? We've been surprised before. That is true. When we did our uh, record road trip episodes, some Absolutely. of the some of the stuff you bought, I was like, "There's no yeah, way I this stuff's gonna be on Spotify." Yeah, and it was. And, it was, and some of the stuff I bought wasn't. I know. Yeah. So it's very interesting what you can find out there and what you can't. And that's another reason why you need to go and support the um, bands and singers and songwriters on on their own um website website buy the merch from them buy the merch because they don't make shit off of streaming they don't make shit off of streaming do you hear that kids it's something like i think it's something like five thousand streams they equal like one album sale or something like that i might might be conservative i I might be way under no it's something ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but so yeah you definitely want to support them and and buy their um buy the actual buy Buy, buy, buy the CD. Buy a shirt from them. Anything yeah. to support them, and don't just listen to streaming because you know what? You're not some of the like we just said. Some of the stuff that we mentioned aren't on those sites at all. Yeah, sometimes like, they are, I could but... have like recently. I could have easily just streamed the new Circus of Power yep. EP online. Yeah, but I bought the CD from them. Yep, and they threw in a bunch of cool stickers. That's right. That Hannah's not getting. There you go. And um. You know, I have a package in the way from the boy Jet, from the boy, from the band Jet Boy. Jet Boy, yeah. I bought a couple CDs from them. I almost bought a shirt, too. Or, but... like, for me, like, in our last episode, when I purchased um, straight from DaxRigs.com, yeah. um, I had no idea this shit was all coming signed. Yeah. But it all came signed with extra stickers and really cool stuff. Like, I pre-ordered the new um, Armored Saint Live CD. Yeah. And it came with a signed booklet by all five members. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 some, I go back and forth on, on whether signed means anything. It's like whatever, signed, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I it always makes me excited. I, it, it gives, I, I like. I, I, I think it gives more of a connection between the artist, artist and the and that item. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I sometimes like to go and be delusional and be like, it's just for me. Yeah. <laughs> But, so the point of our rant on that one is support, is support the artist. Support the artist. And you know how else you, can support, how else you can support an artist? You can support artists by also... Going to bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. That's right. And where we us. have all of our links for Spotify yes. and Apple Podcasts Link and Tree Stitcher. And yes. 
where you can check out the podcast. Yes. We have a link to our eBay store. You can buy mm -hmm. records and CDs and cassettes. Yep. And we got some posters up and some movies. Yes. I got a Homer, a dancing hula Homer Simpson in the box. Somebody so should really want this. It's only this 10 bucks. Awesome dancing hula dashboard Homer. Yeah. Yes. And um, got that. I got some. We, I got a set of nesting Elvis dolls. Somebody the, the, out there like wants... the Russian nesting dolls. Yes. You know, little one goes inside the big one. The big one keeps going mm -hmm. up and up and up. It's only. I think it's only like ten, fifteen bucks. Somebody must want an Elvis that yeah, please, comes in all please sizes. Please take it from us. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a lot of stuff. You know, we just yes. we love music a lot. Some of the stuff. There's been a couple of things we've discussed in the podcast that are in the store. Yes. So you know, if you hear us talking about this, talking about something on here that we're not going on and on about, it might be in the store. Like, yeah. you're not going to see this Queensryche record in the store. You're not no. going to see Dax Riggs in the store. Nope. But but you could learn from us and learn a little something, we <laughs> hope, and maybe spark an interest of a band that you've never listened to before, or learn something new that you didn't know about the band. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to whoring things. Oh, he's going to be a hoe. Go to our T Public store mm -hmm. where you can buy t shirts, record Our logo is super cool. I know, I know. I said back in like episode three that I was going to put yeah. another t shirt design up. Yeah. And I haven't done it yet. Yeah. I have it ready. I just haven't uploaded it. Yes. Um, maybe by the time you hear this one, it'll be up. There we go. But if it's not, it'll be maybe sometime. Yeah. And then, like, we always have a uh, Spotify playlist that goes along with each episode. Yes. Where we feature all the music that we blabber on about. Yes. And there's so there will be an episode to go with this. Those links or at, are also at bettersweetandtwistedrecords.com. And on that note, let's we're going to take a short break and then come back. And I'm going to talk about my music that I And found. I have something to say about that. Okay. All right. All right. See you in a minute. Welcome back to the Bittersweet and Twisted Records podcast. Yes. With me, Vince. And me, Bobby. And it is Bobby's turn yes. to talk about a record. Talk about a record. And, and I'm going to go ahead and already say it. Like, I what? couldn't remember that I thought I got you this thought record. You bought this on the record yes. road trip. And you bought this for me. For? My birthday. Yes. This last, year, this year, this year, this year, yes, this year. I bought it the same day I bought a Johnny Thunder's live record for her. For me, that's right. And I had to sit on them for three months before I gave them to her, <laughs> her birthday. And I had to keep my mouth shut about them for three months. Um, and here she was thinking she bought it in the bar. I, she thought she bought it in a bargain bin too. And let me it's tell you, this record's not from a bargain bin. Yes, it's not because this this album. Um, is not something that you're going to find. Um, yeah, this is on Spotify. Anywhere. I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, and so we we're going to be shocked if it if if it's on there. But I guarantee probably some of the original you know original songs are on Spotify. Yeah. But we'll go from there. So this album that I have in this front of me <clears throat> is by the band Deviants, um, and the title is called Human Garbage. Mm -hmm. um, What's interesting um, about the Deviants is um, 
it was basically a whole bunch of, you know, a couple guys getting together and doing jam out sessions and decided to hang out and go and play some of the music. So And what music would that be? Good old punk rock. And who are these guys? So these Who guys, are these old geezers? Yeah, so first I want to talk about the Well, I guess they weren't old geezers. Were, when year did it come out? This was this was recorded in February 9th, 1984 okay. at in London at London's famous Dingwalls. Okay. Um I would love to visit Dingwalls. Dingwalls was really well known in that time um in that period in the 80s um and mostly probably more likely more famous in the early 70s by late 60s I, I used early to have 70s. A, um, a promotional EP from the Pez band uh, that they recorded Dingwalls I think it was yeah. 78 maybe yeah so Dingwalls is a famous live um live music venue uh, that sits inside of a market um in the town of Camden in London um, it opened in 73. It holds approximately 500 people. Uh, the thing, it was, this was a popular hangout, like I said, for musicians over in that time period. Um, which it, it always, I always get mesmerized, even though I, I know the seventies really weren't that far long ago. Yeah, they were. Well, I mean, we were born in the seventies, so we're only 40, but we're only 40. Yes. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Um, but that time period, a, a lot of the bands that were popular. Wait, 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 wait. I did the math. We can't be 40 and be born in the 70s. But we were born in the 70s. But we can't be 40 then. Well, we're in our 40s. Okay. That's that's what I said. I was just going with the 40. No, you said the 40. Well, yeah. Why you got to ruin it? Nobody knows. They, I'm, I'm sure they were doing the math, too. Well, now that he just messed up my podcast, let oh. me start back your, over. Your podcast. My podcast. Whoa. Whoa. So anyway, but I always... It's Welcome always, to the Bittersweet and Records podcast with Bobby. That's right. So, but anyway, back to what I was saying, that which was interesting doesn't seem that long ago but to me it still seems far away to think like the some of the bands that were popular that were hanging out and um in london at this time were famous new york bands like blondie and so i'm just like oh so wow that was a long ship ride but <laughs> a ship ride <laughs> yeah they had planes back then i too. know that's why i'm saying i'm like oh wow they could just get on a oh, plane back then dive gout on the <laughs> <laughs> ship ride over there I know oh god I hope they had some oranges oh dysentery yeah dysentery on their long trip from New York to hang out at Dingwalls in London but anyway so like I said this was a popular hangout for musicians <laughs> especially during the early punk rock era which is as some of our listeners hopefully we have some devout listeners know that that's my favorite time period in music I think I think those dudes in Germany know they're about, the only, they're about the only people that listen to every episode. <laughs> but I love the punk rock era and specifically and the English uh, London era um, of the early 70s, late 70s. That just that whole, I just love it. It's just something about that sound I just love. So anyway, so Dingwalls, many artists were there from like Blondie. They played The Clash. Um, actually, the, the, first, the cover of the first Clash album was... 
the picture of the guys standing actually um, in Dingwalls is behind them. So it's been okay. used in many things like the, the Ramones played there, um, the Damned, um, and so on. So what's really cool about Dingwalls is it's still open today and it's still happening. Um, it's now split up to not just like a market, but it, it has um, market, it has vendors in there, it has shops, it has um, three active bars, it has an active music scene there. So it's still pumping out like great sounds and good music. And it's really cool. You can actually go on and, um, and learn about the history of Dingwalls, which I kind of got on a sidetrack and it's very easy, easy for me to get sidetracked. And I went online to read about to learn a little bit more about Dingwalls and I thought it was super cool. You can go and learn the history about it and see some of the vendors that they have there. And they still have some of the uh, um, classic punk um, clothing stores there, you know, just what you expect that you would think that you would see. And I just, I, I don't know, I'm ready to take a trip there. But this album was also recorded there mm -hmm. in 84 um, in February. It's, um, recorded um, on the records, um, Psycho Records, uh, which is in London somewhere. I don't have it real exactly. So who's made up, who's in the Deviants? That well, is a good question. Yes. So it's made up of the singer Mick Farron and Friends. Um, Who was Mick Farron? Mick Farron is a famous journalist in, okay. in, in London. Um, and he just, you know, he also played music and he was friends with lots of people. One such friend is the former MC5 guitarist Wayne Kramer, um, as well as guitarist Larry Wallace from the band The Pink Fairies um, and Duncan Sanderson, who's also from The Pink Fairies okay. um, on bass. And the drummer, George Butler, um, I mean, George Butler's resume, he, it goes from playing with Ian Dury, the Kilbournes, Elvis Costello, like he's, this goes on and on and on. You know, it's funny though, it's on the back cover, mm -hmm. like everyone's instrument, like vocals, guitar, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, capital first letter, lowercase, yeah. rest of the letters. Duncan Sanderson, it says bass in all yes, caps. Yes, all caps. So, so yeah, so the, so the album is um, a yellow album. Uh, very punk rock looking, has uh, different photographs of uh, Wayne Kramer and um, um, Mick Farron and um, others on the front. And then it has the deviants, you know, real etched and human garbage underneath of it. Um, but what's cool about this album, that's nothing, like I said, it wasn't like they got together. It was more like Mick Farron's like, you know, I want to I want to go and play some music. And he's like, I just want to jam out. So he calls up good old friend Wayne Kramer yeah. and Wayne comes over and says, all right, let's just start putting this together. So what's neat about it is all these out, um, all the songs are cover songs and, um, but it's definitely has a little punk twist to them okay. all, which I really enjoy. Um, so most of the songs are songs that were written, um, by, um, Larry Wallace. Um, and then you have some Mick Farron songs in here too. So Mick Farron was, he was a journalist, but he was also known for writing music for musicians and things like that. So, um, so the first song, Outrageous Contagious, um, that was originally on Mick Farron and the Deviants, um, records screwed up. So they did have to do another one. Um, number two was Broken Statue. 
which was also a McFerrin single from ninety or from seventy eight, um, which was later on the Pink Fairies album because okay. McFerrin McFerrin yeah. also wrote songs for some of the Pink Fairies, um, "Kill 'Em and Eat 'Em." Uh, number three, "Ramblin' Rose," which you might know this song. Do you remember that? That name sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Okay, which we know is an M- originally an MC Five's song, which is off of "Kick Out the Jams." Ah, oh, it's a great album. And then number four, we got "Hey Thanks," which was written by Wayne Kramer, and originally the song was on the Johnny Thunders and Wayne Kramer's "Gang War." Uh, number five is "Screwed Up," which is uh, a Mick Farron um, and a Deviant song. Uh, number six, "I Want a Drink," that's also um, originally on Mick Farron's "Vampire Stole My Lunch Money." Mm-hmm. <laughs> great title, great title. Number seven is "Taking LSD." which was originally um, on the Pink Fairies, Kill Em and Eat Em album. And then you have Police Car, which was uh, originally a Larry Wallace single in 78. And then the last song, Nine, Trouble Coming Every Day, which is a Frank Zappa song, um, originally on the Mothers Mothers of Invention, Freak Out LP. Sorry, I'm almost hit Vince in the eyeball with my papers. Yeah, I would not like to have um, paper cut in my eye. Yeah, but I mean... The album's really cool. It, it you know, it has those um, nine songs on it, and like I said, they're most of them are all covers. But it's just a fun set, and I just like to when I'm listening to it because it just has that nice raw punk sound to it. It's just I like to think that you know, just sitting there jamming out to them at Dingwalls when when you're sitting there listening to it. Yeah. Do you sit there and congratulate yourself for finding it in the bargain bin? Uh-huh. Or do you go, gosh, Vince is such a good boyfriend yes, for getting I this for me? Yes, I think I have. Yes, when you said no, you didn't. You're, I was like, oh, you got it for me. And I'm like, I have such a good boyfriend. And I do. And I tell you that all the time. So, uh-huh. mm-hmm. But it's a really great album. It's fun. Like, it's just on, um, you know, the album's really clean yeah and um because yeah, i'd went in to get the johnny thunders album mm-hmm. and a stiv bader's album yes but the stiv was a reissue and i was yeah. like eh. then i saw that and i was like oh well yeah this... i was like this is much better than a stiv reissue yeah it's it's just awesome i don't know it's just that little piece of punk history and it's just yeah. how how it's you know at dingwalls which has such a, another um memorable um time period for punk rock um you know dingwalls is like what it is and um you know where you had cbgb's in new york and you know all those other places that are like on my i'm gonna create a punk rock guidebook that's what we should do really yeah we're places to visit i mean i know some places aren't there but you know just to visit the area i don't know I'm going to do a guidebook on yeah. all the places that M. Night Shyamalan has filmed in the area. There you go. I'm full of shit. I'm not going to do that. That's too much work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know he filmed here. But anyway, if, if you are a fan of early um, punk rock, check check this album out, The Deviants, Human Garbage. It's easy to get through. I mean, it is a punk album, so you know you those did. nine songs are not going to be very long. Part of, It won't take a lot of your day. If you like Wayne Kramer, check yes. it out. Wayne Kramer, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you don't know who Wayne Kramer is, please find Go out. Go fuck yourself. No. No, don't do that. We want to educate. 
go find out and learn and listen to, you know, his other stuff. Yeah, listen to some MC5. Oh, yes. I he mean, even played on the um, last Alice Cooper album came out. Yeah. Detroit Stories is on that. Um, so he's still around and still making. Still rocking. Still, still touring. Making, yeah. With a version of MC5. Uh, you don't know who the MC5 are? I'm sure I eventually will probably do a, an episode about them because. Why not? They're, they're fantastic. And if yeah. you, if I'd like to educate others, if they don't know who MC5 are, I mean, it's just fantastic. I mean, they didn't have tons and tons of albums. Tons and tons of bootlegs. Tons and tons of bootlegs. Tons of, right. live, tons of live bootlegs. But they were a fantastic band. So yeah. that really was um, pretty pivotal in the uh, music history. So, so that's my short and sweet episode so, of um, the Deviants. Yeah. So you know we um, switched places again, where I mm-hmm. did the more mainstream mm-hmm. one, and Bobby did the obscure one. Yeah. I might have to change that next episode. Yeah. I'll have to find out who she's doing, then counter program to that. Counter program. Yeah, um, and like I said, you might not find these songs under the Deviants. So you may might have to find the original. Right. Might have to yeah, find like, the originals. Yeah, but, and that's why I kind of gave sure, them to you. I'm sure. I mean, but, I don't want to take money for everyone. I'm sure these this album's probably on YouTube. Yeah, I roll. But, I roll. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's on Discogs. You should. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it is on Discogs, but you know. If you like old punk rock, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, it'll, it's, it'll it be, should be in a collection. It'll be I worth think. like 25, 30 bucks to get. And yeah. Yeah, you know, just do but, it. But put it in your collection. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And um, yeah, it's it's a great album. I love it. I love listening to it. It's Good. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad. I do. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's a great album. So. That brings us to the end of another episode. Boop, boop, doo All right. <laughs> Check out bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. And listen to the um, correlating pod, uh, podcast um, music. The Spotify playlist. Yep, that's what I was trying to get out, the playlist. Yeah. Playlist. Yeah. I mean, it'll be uh, a bunch of Queens right on there and some of this. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'll, well, you can find the MC5 and the Pink Fairies. Yeah, I'm and, sure. and, and, and the Frank Zappa song. And the Frank Zappa, absolutely. Yeah, but so. again. You never know. Deviants might be on there. It, I, I'm, we've been shocked before. So Yeah. Some of that old, obscure rockabilly stuff yeah. you had was on there, and I couldn't believe it. Yes. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, share, like, follow. Um, give a positive review. Positive review. You have some ideas. Uh, let, let us, us know. know. Yeah. And we will see you again in two weeks. Maybe. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>